Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch the season premiere of Grey's Anatomy tonight at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. 91 Donkey Lane is a magical apartment complex that contains immense power but lacks intelligent inhabitants. What is happening? I'm getting texts. Why are we getting a lot of texts? People found out what we did. Oh, dividing Mike Myers into an infinite amount of tiny Mike Myers. Listen to 91 Donkey Lane for free on Spotify or your favorite podcasting app. More at 91donkeylane.com. See you there, you donkeys. Hey, Matt. <laughs> yeah, so the Seinfeld finale is, I think it's hit its 25-year anniversary. It might be its 20-year anniversary. I can't remember. Dates are difficult. But I, I wanted to, I was like, maybe we'll do something for Seinfeld. But, like, I didn't really want to do a Festivus episode. Like, I feel like that's been done to yeah. death. And... The uh, the origins of this whole thing, Dylan, are that yeah. I go to bed listening to commentary tracks, DVD commentary tracks. Okay. And as I was like going through my DVD collection and finding commentary tracks, I'm currently on the Seinfeld DVDs. Yeah. And this episode has a commentary track, and that's when I remembered, oh shit, there is a second kind of Christmas barely talked about. Seinfeld episode yeah. in comparison to Festivus, which is the race. And the I think the reason why it's barely talked about as a Christmas episode is that the Christmassy stuff feels really tacked on to the rest of yeah. the plot. It's just like Kramer playing Santa, and that's yeah. pretty much it. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. But I do think that this is... Um, I think that Festivus is an episode that a lot of people show folks when they're like you don't like Seinfeld but you have to watch Festivus and the soup Nazi and like yeah. the contest like it's like kind of the same like four or five episodes everyone recommends but I actually think the 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 race does a good job of your seeing like all of the worst of all of these characters in in a single episode because it is this is like the pre precursor to something like always sunny in Philadelphia where it's like yeah. you're you're not supposed to actually like any of the four main characters, but like yeah. you're in. It, I mean, it's what Larry David perfected when he did Curb Your Enthusiasm, right? Like, just like you know, it's going to go poorly. This actually has a weird victory for once. Yeah, which is, <laughs> it, like which it is ends rare. on a high note. Like, like uh, 
Jerry kind of gets away with it all at the yeah. end. Um, I'm going to be honest, man. You're not a Seinfeld guy. Yeah. I'm not a Seinfeld guy. I've never yeah. been a Seinfeld guy. Seinfeld to me, remember, listeners, I am a, a bit younger. Um, so I was like, I was not prime Seinfeld age. I yeah. was like, what? When did the show end? I want to say it was 98. 98? Okay, so I was six years old when the show ended. Like, not when the show started, but when it ended. So Seinfeld, to me, especially when it hit syndication, just it, it usually came on at 6 p.m. And to me, it just signified that, hey, uh, it's getting later. You're going to have to go to bed and wake up for school tomorrow. Yeah, that, base, um, like that, that baseline sent fear down through your spine. Exactly. Right? I hated it. It gave me so much fucking anxiety. So, like, I my familiar... My my me relating to Seinfeld is literally just what has uh, existed in the pop culture zeitgeist of I know the basics of Seinfeld because it because of how popular it was. Yeah. Um, Seinfeld to me in general, I've seen a couple episodes. I've seen the Festivus episodes, but it's never been like, oh, my God, I love this show. And it's been a few years since I've sat down and watched any Seinfeld and watched it last night. And I'm going to be honest, man, I don't know if it's part of the bit or what, but is Jerry's stand-up supposed to be bad? So I learned about this through the (laughs) DVD commentary track. I'm not going to say that it's supposed to be bad, but basically they would film, they would write all of the episodes, they would film all of the episodes and then Jerry would do a weekend show for just like friends, family, and cast and crew, where he would just do one time only jokes that tied to the theme, the theming of every single episode. Yeah. So I wouldn't say that it's intentionally bad, but it is definitely intentionally thrown together as quickly okay. as possible to make ends meet. All right. And I'm sure um, some are better than others. I'm sure yeah. there's like some, st- I, like, I, didn't I hate this one. I, I go liked... to YouTube and you type in like top 10 Seinfeld standup cold opens. Like, yeah, I'm be sure it's on there, but I never, I mean, I never quote any of Jerry's, uh, up routines. I didn't hate this one. I, yeah. I like the idea of like driving around and all the trees are laying in the grass, like a mob hit. And you know, yeah. the, the, he's like, somehow we just forget that we put it in there. Like, we just show up and we're like, oh, my God, there's a tree in our yeah. house. Throw it away. <laughs> like, yes. I, was like, I was sitting there and I'm like, this is Matt Kelly humor. Like, this yeah. Is oh, yeah. Fucking, I was like, and that's going to be like when we talk about another thing that we watched yeah. recently. I was also like, this is Matt Kelly for sure. <laughs> so so let's first of all, do you know about Jerry Seinfeld's real life obsession was with Superman? No. So in every single Seinfeld episode, we're talking like 200 episodes, they found a way to make a a Superman reference in every episode or like hide a Superman somewhere in the background because like Jerry Seinfeld loves Superman. Damn. And this that was the whole fucking episode. This well, that's what I'm gonna say. So this episode's (laughs) almost like all of that obsession like accumulates into this this scenario where Jerry is now dating a girl named Lois and it's causing him how hype he is about dating a girl <laughs> named Lois because it's you and I. You're yeah. like, oh my God, that's the same name as this fucking thing the, that I'm really into. Dude, and just him <laughs> finding a way to quote like old Superman comics and serials yeah. and stuff just in the like, don't worry, Lois, I'll think of something. Like, yeah. just- And some, like nothing 
that theme is so good. That <laughs> Superman theme is so And it good. builds to, we were talking about the feel-good crescendo, but like him running the race to the yeah. Superman. After so... cheating again. Yeah. <laughs> Technically he didn't cheat. He just. I know. I, I like that his thing is that he just gets so amped up with excitement, like that he just, that he, he, he can't control himself. Um the I'll talk about this thing. There's yeah. one thing in this episode that doesn't sit well with me, and we're about to get there. Is it the commie uh, stuff? <laughs> no, no, the commie stuff doesn't bother me as much as the uh, the Chinese food delivery Whoa, guy. Oh yeah, <laughs> I think and I like, blocked that out of my mind. Well, my favorite thing is again, I listened to the DVD commentary for this, and I want to say that this one is Elaine. Uh, it's Julia Louise Dreyfus and Jason Alexander doing the the DVD commentary. Okay. And when that guy shows up, I think Jason Alexander goes, well, this guy's making a choice. <laughs> like, he's like, but I think they said, like, this is them claiming could be totally revisionist, where they're like, this was not written like this on in the script. The, this actor showed up and just, like, started swinging to the cheap seats yeah. with his performance. And they're like, but we thought it was funny, so we went with it. But, like, yeah, it is... It is uncomfortable whenever he deli- is, delivers any line. Like, oh my god, dude! It is very, like, very awkward to watch. And it, w- the worst part about it is, is the joke isn't the stereotype. Like, the joke no. is that she has been banned from this restaurant because of the way she acted. Like, yeah, that's like that's the joke, and her him showing up. You could complete. You could have made this a a hoagie shop, like a, or or like anything. Uh, it threw in a hoagie for you guys. Uh, it's Thank a you. sub shop, but <laughs> but well, like, um, but also I don't think Elaine's in the wrong. If they brought I don't the think entirely so wrong food, I'd be like, I'm not paying for this. Yeah, you <laughs> could honestly remove that entire plot out of this episode, and I it, it really brings nothing to the all. table. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't tie back to anything. I I assume it's just use as a way to write out Elaine's new boyfriend in time yeah. for the next episode. Like that's really all it, all it holds. Um, yeah. But yes, I love that George, George discovers that her boyfriend is possibly a communist Tom because is. he reads the daily worker. Yeah. Um, and that's when he looks in the classified as he goes, appearance, not important. Now that's an ideology I can get behind. <laughs> so what is George's job? Like what what does George do? He were so the season prior. Okay. George was George was um homeless or uh, not homeless. George was jobless. Okay. And he made a decision that everything any time that he follows his gut instinct, it's wrong. So he's just going to go with the opposite choice that he would normally make at all times. Okay. So he's like that. Uh, it's the final episode of that of the previous season. So he's like sits down. And he's like, you know what? I get the same sandwich every day. I'm going to do the total opposite of the sandwich. And he orders something crazy. And then this like beautiful woman's just like, "Hi, I know this is weird, but you just ordered the exact same sandwich as me. Would you like to go on a date?" So they go on a date, and he's like, I'm not even going to act like she's attractive. I'm just going to treat her like garbage because that's the opposite of what I would do. And she's like, she's like, you are unlike anyone I've ever met. She's like, I should get you a job with my dad. He works at the Yankee Stadium, and he gets a job. Oh, like, my God. At, and it's just like constant escalation. 
And then he meets like who is the head of the Yankees at that time, George Stein Steinbrenner, yeah. uh, who's voiced by Larry David, and they play this character totally outrageous. But like he's doing the job interview, and the guy's like, "Oh, George, uh, this is Mr. Steinbrenner," and he's just like, "You should be ashamed about what you've done to this beautiful organization. You've <laughs> like he just like yells at him for ruining the Yankees, and all of a sudden he just goes." Hire this man. <laughs> he like walks away. <laughs> so, so that's basically like George's job is very up in the air. Like you don't okay. know what he does. He just has a job working for the Yankees and George Stein. Like they stretched out. Usually they would try to give the the characters a different job every season or every other season. Yeah. Um, I think they keep George at the Yankees for like three years because oh, they nice. just have so much fun with Larry David's voiceover work as. His very eccentric, strange boss. Yeah, uh, which we no, get a, really a hint good. of that. I like. <laughs> I, yes, we do get a little bit of a hint of that. I liked that the the storyline bit of George getting uh, sent to Cuba because they um, think he's a communist. <laughs> yeah, and they think they think that it's gonna make it easier for them to get unsigned Cuban co- uh, talent. Yeah. <laughs> and then, of course, the bumper is George in Cuba and the dictator is exactly like his boss yep. <laughs> at the Yankees yep. and just rambling and, and nonsensical. 91 Donkey Lane is a magical apartment complex that contains immense power but lacks intelligent inhabitants. What is happening? I'm getting texts. Why are we getting a lot of texts? People found out what we did. Oh, dividing Mike Myers into an infinite amount of tiny Mike Myers. Listen to 91 Donkey Lane for free on Spotify or your favorite podcasting app. More at 91donkeylane.com. See you there, you donkeys. Meanwhile, in New Jersey... So, Marissa, what talking points do you want to hit on in this week's episode? Well, Jackie, let's talk about how the film addresses the patriarchy. Ooh, and representation of marginalized people. Ooh, ooh, and even philosophical ramifications of good versus evil and horror. We can point out the triangle boobs, talk about the blood splatter, and, oh, the practical effects. (sighs) Um, and also the male gaze? My gaze at the males. Hi-o! From feminism to fangirling, the Jersey Ghouls cover all the bases of horror from a woman's perspective. New episodes are uploaded every other Sunday. Just search Jersey Ghouls to find us on social media and your favorite podcasting app. Let's talk about the communism stuff yeah. a little bit because I, it f- it fell real flat with me. It, <laughs> like it <laughs> fell flat for me, except for there's a couple moments. Yeah. Um. So. You basically have Elaine and Kramer's storylines kind of intersect mm-hmm. at a point. So Kramer and his buddy Mickey have gotten a job as Santa and an elf at the local uh, mall. Which is the only Christmas in this episode. Uh, and Jerry's the... opening stand-up. Oh, but yes, 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 yes. So Kramer and his buddy Mickey are there. Kramer's so excited to be Santa. Like, I love him just, yeah. like, bursting. And he's like, oh, oh, oh. Like, he's, he's loving it. Um, but then like, he's talking about how it's been eight hours of, he says it's been eight hours of people sitting on my lap and me, ho, ho, ho. And, and frankly, I'm all hoed out. Uh, and this is when Elaine's boyfriend just immediately goes into like 
trying to get Kramer to become a communist. And yeah. he goes into the full pitch and Kramer just goes, talk to me, baby. Like, yeah. I love, like how easily Kramer can just be like yeah. persuaded. But the guy's making stuff. sense. He's like, you know, yeah. the guys at that mall are paying their Santa Claus double. I'd be like, what? Yeah. And this guy's what he say? He's like, when you have a big old rash on your face from that beard glue, they're not going to cover your medical expenses <laughs> or whatever. So uh, we get that piece. Then the next piece with the communism that I kind of laughed at was uh, we'll jump into Jerry's bit in a little bit. But he says something along the lines of the legend of his fast running. He goes, letting that legend die would be like telling a child there's no Santa Claus. Quick jump cut to Kramer and Mickey walking down the street as Kramer's trying to explain communism through deli meats. Where yeah. It's like, and it, I, I don't find that bit funny, but I, I like that. But then when Kramer is trying to explain communism to the kid on his lap, and the kid jumps off the lap and goes, hey, this guy's a commie. commie. Like, that's the best. <laughs> that moment alone is the best payoff for the entire communism subplot is, like, the eight-year-old kid <laughs> calling it out. <laughs> to me, the best part of this entire show is the Jerry story yeah, with for the sure. Superman and the race. Um, did you get the I choose not to run reference? No. Uh, I had to look this up because I knew it was familiar to me, but I couldn't figure out why. It's a quote from Woodrow Wilson oh uh, when God. asked if he would run for a third presidency. And he said, I do not choose to run. But they just kind of took it and... and I choose not to run. Yeah, yeah. I choose not to run. <laughs> um, so the story with this is that in high school, Jer there was a giant race at the school. And Jerry was so excited for the race that he didn't wait for the word go. He yeah. heard ready, set, and then he took off. And it was he was so fast that by the time they said go, he was all already like ten yards ahead of everybody. To which why is he why is this guy the only one that's like, uh no, like like yeah. that was a false start. Like run yeah. this shit back. <laughs> uh who knows on that one. But I love how dramatic the telling of the story and the camera movements are. Like I love that we don't get a flashback. We get this very like single camera jerry telling the story and it's like the dramatic pouring of the apple cider <laughs> into yeah. the class with the final shot afterwards uh just totally totally absurd and ridiculous uh i think the best part in that episode uh, of that storyline though is basically what happens is jerry's dating a girl lois he loves it because it gives him all these superman references yep. But her boss, Duncan, is the only person who's ever suspected that Jerry got a false start on the race. And now he's constantly telling his girlfriend how much of a liar Jerry is and that if he doesn't race yeah. him, uh, he will always be a liar. And to which I'm uh, like, Dun dude, we are like they're almost 15 40. years. Yeah. Yeah. Like we're like 15, 20 years older, man. Like, let's. Let's calm down a little yeah, bit. It's not like this is going to be a fail, uh, uh, fair race anyway. No. Uh, so the pl Duncan invites Jerry and his girlfriend out to lunch, and Jerry is like, he's going to try to get me to break. And that's when they come up with the idea, and my favorite scene in the whole episode. This is hands down the best scene. That George will pretend that he's doesn't, he's not currently friends with Jerry and will back up everything. And the bit of George and Jerry pretending they don't know oh each my other God. george <laughs> acting like he doesn't know jerry and the his stupid mouth fucking dropped facial open expressions yeah <laughs> uh, 
Gary Seinfeld, how you doing? (laughs) What are you, a comedian? Oh, you're a comedian? What do you do? A lot of that, like, did you ever notice kind of stuff? (laughs) Boy, George, you sure got bald. I fucking loved it. Because George is, like, trying to play himself up as this, like, what when it when I made my first million and you know they always say the first million is the hardest. <laughs> well, he has the one line because we were just reminiscing about the day of the race. He's like the day of the race. I can never forget that day. That's the day I lost my virginity to Mrs. Stafford, yeah. the voluptuous homeroom teacher. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! It it is it is so fucking funny. Yeah. Um, like that is that is the peak of the episode, and then the car. Basically, they they agree to do another race. They're lined up for the race. Duncan has gone as far as bringing back the teacher that did the race the yep. first time. All of their old classmates, and then this I was confused by until I did some research. Yeah. So Kramer shows up out of nowhere and is like telling George, "Hey, I've got to get you to the airport," and it feels like really tacked on. Like I'm like, mm-hmm. what? What air? What is happening right now? I forgot about the Cuba trip, basically. Yeah. Um, and then when George or when Kramer goes to start the car, it backfires right on the ready set, which makes Jerry think that that's the gunshot that was promised, and then he wins the race a second time uh, through a cheat. And this is I, I found this factoid: the shooting script for the episode was seventy pages long, as opposed to the usual forty to fifty pages of a sitcom script. Uh, they filmed con- the filmed content far exceeded the show's half hour time slot. As such, numerous scenes were deleted, including an entire subplot showing how Kramer was able to help George obtain an illegal visa so that he could get into George get into Cuba. <laughs> okay, and also by like removing that portion, it does kind of feel like the that ending bit is tacked on. Yeah, uh, a little bit. I mean, it does get brought up earlier. Just barely just saying like hey we're gonna send you down to talk to because george you're a communist we're gonna send you down to talk to them about getting us some ball players um i'm gonna be i'm gonna be frank bro it didn't it this is not selling me you're not you're not gonna go and binge watch all nine seasons of Seinfeld after this no um (laughs) and even teddy was sitting there going like i could watch this this is my comfort show because she watched it as a kid and i'm like yeah nope like I just it's it's not yeah, not not for you. No, and it's it's I don't even think it's the content. It's just the things I associate with the show. Do you ever yeah, do you you have those it. where oh, you're yeah. like you're like I it's not that it's bad, like it's objectively good, but it's just not for me. But I yeah. I really did like I love Jason Alexander. Um, I of course went on a rant about the burning as we were watching this yesterday with Teddy. Which I, was like, I man, this is twice in one week I've brought this up. Do you know who helped fund the burning? No, George Harrison of the Beatles. Why? Um, so he, so the story that I heard, and yeah. I'm gonna give this credit to Hats Off Entertainment on YouTube. Okay, um, but I did double check and I was like, oh no shit. Uh, so. I'm sure you've heard the story about how Monty Python and Life of Brian couldn't get their funding, and then George Harrison basically wrote a check to to make the movie because, quote unquote, I just wanted to see the movie. Yeah. Um. So he, when he did that, he created a company called Handmade Pictures. 
Okay. And handmade pictures basically became where George Harrison would just write the check for any movie he felt like he would want to see. <laughs> and one of the first movies he did that for was 1981's The Burning. Wow. And and Time Bandits, um, which <laughs> which are two dramatically different movies. Yeah, they are. <laughs> uh, and then after he died, like they still occasionally will make films under that production company. The most recent one being 127 Hours. Um, wow. Yeah, like they've only made like 15 movies. Uh, the last one that George Harrison personally signed the check for was Nuns on the Run, starring Eric Idle and. <laughs> And uh, the the actor who played Hagrid in uh, Harry Potter. Nuns on the run. Oh yeah, it's about God. yeah, it's about two convicts who decide to go straight, but they uh, have pissed off a lot of people. So in order to try to get out, they pretend to be nuns at a monastery, and then find out that they're also going to be teaching a bunch of Catholic schoolgirls. And it's a it's a comedy from the late eighties, early nineties for sure. Um, they but, also yeah. funded Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And their the, lineup and Planet Fifty One, that yep. weird uh, animated flick. Yeah, hands hands made productions. It's a it's a real weird weird roster of films for sure. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I like the burning. <laughs> yeah, the burning's great. The Time burning is rules. great. <laughs> I, yeah, 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 yeah. For sure, for sure. All right. Um, so, I hope you like them. Yeah, like, I, I hope like he funded these movies. Do we have a follow up? Like if George no, Harrison was I, like if George Harrison reviews the movies he funded, <laughs> wasn't too fond of that one. Yeah, <laughs> like, he's like, uh, wasn't a big right. nuns on the run fan. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, Dylan, did you ever notice? Oh Jesus, that we struggle with our sign outs sometimes. Sometimes we do struggle with our sign outs. Merry Christmas, everyone. Whoa. Oh, whoa. Ninety-one Donkey Lane is a magical apartment complex that contains immense power, but lacks intelligent inhabitants. What is happening? I'm getting texts. Why are we getting a lot of texts? People found out what we did. Oh, dividing Mike Myers into an infinite amount of tiny Mike Myers? Listen to Ninety-One Donkey Lane for free on Spotify or your favorite podcasting app. More at 91donkeylane.com. See you there, you donkeys. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.